Welcome to Arlie's Message of the Week. This is part four on service and ministry in our new series, The Big Five. Okay, so I want to go into today's message. And I'm really, really just pumped about today's message because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big part of my heart. It's a big part of my life. It's a big life message for me. And the title of today's message is How Everyone Has a Calling. That's what I want to talk about today. Everyone has a calling. Tell the person next to you, you have a calling. Yes, exactly. And point at them. Point at them. There we go. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. And we've been, we've been in a series. We've been in the middle of a series called The Big Five. Say with me, The Big Five. And we've been talking about the key five things that will help you live a fully and plentiful and fully fulfilling life. And so the first week we spoke about worship, how we have to first recognize that life is about God, not us. How we have to recognize that, yeah, we're important, but we're not the most important. Does that make sense? That God is the most important. That God Our relationship with God is the foundation to a good life. And then we spoke about community, how finding the right community, finding the right people. When you find the right people, you will find your destiny, someone once said. Um, And then we spoke about discipleship, a.k.a. fancy word for saying maturity. We spoke about how there's many Christians but very few mature people. Uh, How God is not looking for Christians. He's looking for disciples, people that actually walk and talk like Jesus, like God. And that's what we were talking about. How age is not, uh, doesn't equal maturity. There's 40-year-olds acting like 10-year-olds, right? And how maturity is not an age. Maturity is simply you willing to learn from your mistakes and you willing to let God guide your life. And I don't know if you remember, but one of the things, and sometimes I like kind of reviewing because every Sunday, it's almost like a rotation, you know. Um, We we get uh, people that missed last week, but were here the week before. Um, And so something we spoke about was how, where was I going with this? Ah, yes. How Maturity is learning from your mistakes, but greater maturity is learning from others' mistakes. And so that's something we were talking about, maturity. And so today, I'm going to be sharing about how we all have a calling. We all have something to serve others with, how we all have a ministry, and I'm going to dive into it. So say with me, I have a calling. That's right. So let's pray. God, we thank you for everything that you're doing here. Um, we thank you for, for the, the, the little seed that we are here at Our Lake Church. We know that great trees start as little seeds. And God, our biggest dream and desire is to be a blessing to our city. That we may be able to uh, uh, make our city more beautiful. Make our city more uh, uh, enjoyable to live in, God. That is your heart and dream. And so God, I ask that you may speak to us today. Those that couldn't come to service because of work, because of school, because of uh, health. Uh, and those because of laziness, God, wake them up and bring them to service. And so, God, we just thank you. We love you. And we know you love us back. <laughs> In your name we pray. Amen. Um, I want to start off right off the bat that God doesn't call the elite. Many times we believe that God only calls the elites. 
the elites, the privileged, the academic people, the famous people, that God calls the powerful people. But can I tell you that God doesn't work that way? God is not like American Idol or The Voice, looking for the best person, you. No, no, no. If God would have uh, The Voice or American Idol, um, it would be, he would look for the worst person and he would make them into a superstar. Does that make sense? That's how God works. God doesn't look for the elites. God looks for the non-elite. And God looks for all people to be able to live their calling. God wants everybody to live what they love and what they're called to do. Religion teaches us that only certain people could do great things. But when, when you read scripture, it shows us that we are all called to do something great. We are all called to do something great in our community, in our city, in our family. And so I, I just want to start off by just telling you that, that God is not looking for you to have all your stuff together. Some of us wait that we're like, well, God, I'm not ready to be to, so God can use me. Like, no, that's not how it is with God. All God is waiting for is for you to say, hey, God, I might be broken. I might have a lot of holes in me, <laughs> especially on my nose. No, I'm just kidding. But God, I really, I, I just want to be used by you. I want to be a blessing to others. That's all you need. The rest of it, God's going to take care of it. So, I want to I wanna tr- uh, change gears into what is God's mission in the world? What is God's, like, mission? What's, what is God after in this whole thing? What, what is, what's God's goal and ultimate goal? If you have a Bible, go to John chapter 10, and we, we kind of we hit the heart of his, of his goal and his mission. John chapter 10. This is Jesus showing us what God is all about, what he's after. Yeah, isn't that awesome? (laughs) John 10, 10. And Jesus says, the thief, the enemy, comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. All right, real quick, just pause real quick. Jesus here is showing one half and then the other half. The enemy has come to kill, destroy, and what? And steal, right? Anything in your life that gets destroyed, that something good is stolen from you, whether touchable or non-touchable, whatever it is, that's not God doing it. That's the enemy doing it. Does that make sense? Because a lot of people, they're like, why did God kill my family member what where did you get that from like that's that's not how God works the enemy is the one that kills destroys and steals we live in a broken world but Jesus gives the other half and he says but I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest Do you see that difference? What does that mean? God's mission, God's ultimate goal, what is it? It's it's to restore 
the world. God's mission, what he's after, is to restore families, is to restore broken homes, is to restore broken minds, is to restore broken hearts, is to restore broken dreams. God's mission is to restore people. Does that make sense? That is what God is all about. Tell the person next to you, high five him and say, he's going to restore you. Exactly. That's his mission. His mission is not to, like, if there's like, if there's like this meter in heaven and it's like going up, people in heaven, and God's like, yeah, I'm reaching my goal. Yeah, numbers. Yeah, more people in heaven. Like, that's not his ultimate goal. His ultimate goal is for people to be restored. Families, marriages, single people, sexuality, mentalities, um, physicalness, health, careers, education, everything. That's God's mission. Let me give it to you another way. Let me say it in other words. God's mission is to bring his world and his quality of life on earth. Is to bring heaven to earth. That is God's mission. What did Jesus say? May your will be done on earth as it is. That's his mission. In heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there's no broken families. In heaven, there's no broken minds. In heaven, there's no broken bodies. In heaven, there's no broken, etc., etc., etc. And so he wants that reality to be our reality. You know the phrase eternal life? That's what people misread that and they, they're too spiritual about it. They're like, yeah, uh, for God, for God so loved the world that he sent his son to have eternal life. Right. People think that, it, that means to go to heaven. That's not what it means. That's part of it. But what that means is that so you could have a full and a, a, a how could I put it, a deathless life on earth too. I'm going to say it again for you. <laughs> Siri didn't catch that. So let me say it again. <laughs> Since Siri didn't get it, I'm, I'm going to have to say it again for, so Siri can understand. I even forgot. Oh, no. That, that's God's goal is so that we could live an abundant and fulfilling life today. We don't have to wait to get to heaven. We can live heaven now. Another way to put it, God's mission is to see all things flourish. Communities. Finances. Bodies, families. That is God's mission. So wherever you see people getting restored, wherever you see heaven invading earth, whenever you see what uh, people flourishing, that's 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 God's mission. His mission is being accomplished there. But wherever you see families being broken, homes being broken, minds being broken, uh, shootings, mass shootings. Wherever you see corruption, that's not God's, that's the opposite of God's mission. 
And what I love about God's mission and what excites me, and Kaylee's like, babe, I've heard, I hear you talk about this all the time, and it's true. What I love about God's mission is that it literally affects every part of our lives. It affects, I, I wrote different examples, cities, families, animals, nature, politics, sports, media, school, arts, etc., God's mission is not this spiritual project. It's part of the spiritual, but it's not only spiritual. God's mission affects everything, everywhere. You following me? What I want to do is stretch your mind so that we can see that this whole idea of just being a spiritual mission, that's, that's part of it, but that's not the whole thing. It's because some people, there's... They're, they're so spiritual that they forget that God also wants to affect our natural life, our everyday. That's his mission. And if God's mission is to restore the world, what's the enemy's mission? To destroy. Exactly. Wherever you see destruction, that's not God's mission being accomplished. One of the biggest examples that we all see, the mass shootings. Is that God's mission? That is completely opposite to God's mission. Whenever you see relationships being destroyed, good relationships being destroyed, that's not God's mission. The enemy's mission is to destroy. Whenever you see lives being destroyed, that's not God's mission. And what I love is that anybody that is, that, and I wrote it down, anyone that restores other people is participating in God's mission. And can I tell you something? We all have God's mission built in us. Everybody on planet Earth wants to do something good in the world. That's when you know we were made in his image. That's when you know he is our creator. Because how many know that, you know, all of us have parents and we all have habits and bad habits from our parents, right? Some of us have our, also, some of us have our parents, you know, your dad's nose, your, your mom's nose. Some of you have your mom's eyes. I got my grandpa's eyebrows, you know. Like we all have traits of our parents, and if God is our ultimate father and our ultimate and our creator, that means you have things of that, that resemble him. And one of those things is his mission. The next thing I want to go into, change gears. Say with me, change gears. Is to tell you that God never works alone. Ooh, I love this. This is like, oh, I'm telling you, this is part of my big, uh, very dear to my heart. Uh, if you have a Bible, can you go to 1 Peter chapter 2? How many know that God is not a lonely worker? God is not that person at your job that, like, only walks, wants to work alone, pushes everybody away, and says, I'm going to work on this. No, no, no. God's that person that's like, hey, let's work on this together. That's how God is. I'm, re I'm finishing a novel right now. Um, the ultimate villain, they talk about how this villain only loves to work alone and that this villain loves to talk about friendship but doesn't really care about his friends 
He just cares about his obsession of destroying other people's lives. It's a, it's a great novel. Uh, first, Peter, I want to show you this. God's not working alone. First Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, a.k.a. Jesus, rejected by human but chosen by God and precious to him, you are also living stone. Say with me, I am a living stone. Yeah, you guys are, you're like emerald and you're like gems. Okay, we keep going. That's not the point. Um, I just wanted to say that. Your living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who hurts, who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to, uh, to you who believe, this stone is precious. And to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. But here's where I want to focus. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is, here goes, verse 9. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You were not a people, but you are now a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What's my point? My point is that in this massive project to restore everything that we see, God doesn't want to do it alone. He wants to do it with us. God doesn't want to do this alone. He wants to restore and do this massive project with you and with me. Can we put that quote on the screen? Uh, I want to I show you this quote, this book, one of the, these books that I'm reading. Um, if we could just put it on the screen. When, um, he says, God chooses to exercise his kingly rule through the people he has created, humans represent the climax, the pinnacle of God's work. And he wants them to be his what? Yes, God wants you to be his co-worker. Imagine that. He created them to enjoy genuine fellowship with him. He created them to what? Participate in his government of creation. Wow. The king of the universe has this massive project to restore everything, and he wants you to be his co-worker. That's incredible. I don't know if I'm the only one so pumped about this. Okay, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Let's say God's mission, his, his plan, his, his whole mission is, is like restoring a restaurant. Let's say that's, let's, let's compare it to that. God wants to restore a restaurant. How many here one day wants to start a restaurant? No? No? Okay. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> okay, so some of you are like, that's too much work. <laughs> so let's say God's mission is to restore a restaurant. Okay? Now, in this massive project, he's assigned everybody a department. You following me? He's assigned everybody on planet Earth a department. Now, obviously, it's up to us if we choose or deny. 
the mission. Let's say, for example, your job is to do the plumbing in the restaurant. Maybe your job is to do the roofing. Maybe it's the management. Maybe the food. Maybe the weighing tables. Maybe it's, it's the hostess. But my point is, your department is whatever you are passionate about. Whatever you feel like you just want to go and pursue, that is part of God's mission in your life. Renee, I want to start my own business. Then that's what God wants to use to be part of his, his, in his mission. Some of you want to be a lawyer. That's your assignment in God's mission. God wants to, wants to use your talent to restore other people. Some of you, it's social justice. Some of you, it's doctor. Some of you, it's an astronaut. Some of, I don't know what it is. Whatever you're passionate about, that is your assignment. That is part, that's, that's your department in the restaurant restoration. You following me? Ministry is whatever you're assigned to do. That's what ministry is. Career is your ministry. You, you following me? Are you guys with me? Yeah? Whenever you say that my career, I'm looking for this as my career, what you're talking about in God's language is your ministry. Your assignment in God's massive project. What is your career? What do you want to do? Renee, what if I don't know? Well, you're not alone. Statistics say most people right now don't know what, uh, around the age of 25 to like 35, they don't know what they want. What is your role in God's mission in the world? What is your role? Renee, I think I'm, to, I'm just a dad. Renee, I think I'm just going to be a mom. Well, that is your role in God's mission. There's no role less important or more important in God's restoration of the restaurant. Honestly, living for God's mission is the greatest cause ever. It's the best. Why, Renee? Because you're after restoring lives. You're after seeing people thrive and flourish. Like, what better cause is there for that? Some of you, you're called to start a real estate business. God wants you to use that for his mission. I'm not talking about being religious people in your business and putting John 3.16 in front of your, your, your business. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that you could just, you could represent God without being religious about it. You following me? I'm not saying, you know, name your business God's mission. <laughs> no. But what I am saying is that you could represent God without being religious. You could go after restoring lives with your career. For some of you are called to the homeless. Some of you feel called to healing. Some of you feel called to, for divorced. Some of you feel called for, for, um, uh, for the gay community and to show them how they're to be loved and they're to be cared for. Some of you now, I don't know if you're hearing right now, it's really hot right now, mental health, which I'm glad it's hot and people are talking about it. Some of you are, are after restoring people mentally. 
businesses. Some of you are called in the prophetic and being used to speak for God, art, music, etc. What is your department in God's project? Think about that. If you can remember anything I said today, remember that question. What is your assignment, department in God's mission? What is it? Renee, what's yours? Ooh, thanks for asking. For me, honestly, for me, Kaylee hears it all the time. It's to be able to build a church full of people that restore the world and restore the city. That is my heart and a passion, and I talk about it all the time. I eat it all the time, and I, when I read and I study, and everything is pointed towards that. It's, it's to build others, to restore others. That's my whole thing. That's my passion. falling asleep during the message, now this is the time to pay attention and write down if you can. How do you find your calling? I want to give you ways on how you find your calling, how you find your ministry, how you find your career. You ready? And now I want to be clear. Finding your calling is not like catching a ball. All right? Just want to make like clear of that. Finding your calling is not like, oh, I got it. I got my calling. This is it. Someone told me. No, 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 no. That's not it. Finding your calling, your career, your ministry, whatever you want to call it, it's like baking a cake. It's like a puzzle. It's a lot of pieces, a lot of ingredients. So I want to give you the ingredients. You ready? Number one, your past. One of your ingredients, if we could put it on the screen, is your past. Someone once said, uh, number one, just one, there we go. Someone once said that your biggest pain will be part of your biggest ministry. Some of you, some of you were maybe divorced. Maybe some of you were abused. And God wants to use that as part of your calling. Maybe some of you were in jail or prison and you made mistakes. That's going to be an ingredient in what you want to do for the world, for God. Does that make sense? What did you go through? What did you experience? The second ingredient is a, is a scripture. People in the Bible that catch your attention more than others. Maybe, for example, for me, one of the biggest people in Scripture that caught my attention is Jonah. You know why? Because Jonah went to a city and restored the city. Like that. 
Paul was another person that would restore cities. Those are people that I gravitate towards. Does that make sense? Another ingredient are leaders that you know and what your church leaders say about you. That's why it's so important to be connected to a church because if, there, if it's a healthy church, of course, that there's people that are going to give you feedback and they're going to be like, hey, you, want, you know what? Maybe you should try here, not here. Uh, you know what? I think you're better here than here. That's going to be an ingredient, what your leaders say about you. But if you get defensive when you get feedback, then you're never going to get to your calling. <laughs> Tell the person next to you, don't get defensive. Exactly. What your church leaders or what your mentors say about you, that's, that's really important. I'm, I, 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 need, I need you to pay attention. I need you, I'm going to say something to you. Sometimes you need to depend more on what close people say about you than what you say about you. Sometimes you need to rely more on what others feel about you than what you feel about yourself. Now I'm talking about trustworthy people. Because sometimes your own senses can deceive you. I'm going to move on. <laughs> four. The fourth ingredient. Where? Four. Four. Yeah. It's all right. It's okay. We're a family. Fourth ingredient. Where do you feel most alive? And where you feel most drained, most likely God doesn't want you to be there. Where you feel most drained, you should get out of there ASAP. Get out of there right now. Because what did Jesus said? I came here so that you may have what? Eternal life. Life in abundance. If your life is scarce in that job or in that career or in that area, wrong place. Find the place where you're like, oh, my gosh, I could do this for free. You know, almost. Almost. Keyword almost. Fifth ingredient to find your calling. What do your talents say? What are you good at? Okay, there we go. <laughs> what are you good at? What are what is your what is your passion? What is what what is what is your what is your what is your superstar artist and you want to that's your career but no one could like handle your singing that's not what God wants you to do <laughs> he want God wants people to enjoy your singing not you know be terrorized by it does that make sense how many here anyone here want to share what you're talented at some of you are incredible painters and artists that has something to do with it some of you are incredible at management, administration. Some of you, like, I don't know how you, you create these ideas of business. Like, does that make sense? What are you talented at? Anyone want to say out loud? Singing the gospel. There we go. Singing the gospel. There we go, Edna. Making music. Yes, Ellie is really good at that. He's always writing stuff up. He always has, like, a new song to show me. Like, he always has, he's a bakery of songs. Uh, what else? Who else? What are you good at? I know you're ready, Hugo. Let's go. What are you good at? Caesar? 
<laughs> I know I caught you off guard. But did, do you guys follow me? What you are good at says a lot about your calling, about your career, about your ministry. Yeah, Caesar. Partnerships? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. That's good. That's a talent. That's a gift. Yeah. What else? What else? What else? I, I want to, Kaylee's, she has great administration and leadership skills. That, that's, that's part of it. Gotcha, baby. You guys, you following me? Does that make sense, though? Also, talent, also, if I'm not wrong, education falls under that category. What are you educated in? What, or some of you are self-taught, which is equally respectable. Uh, respectable. Street smart. Yeah. Next ingredient on how to find your calling, number, say, uh, number six, <laughs> passions. What are you almost obsessed about? What are you almost always talking about? That says, that's part of what, that's part of the ingredient of that cake, which is your calling. <laughs> the next ingredient, number, number seven, which is sliete in Latin. No, I'm just kidding. I made that up. Number seven, lastly, um, sorry, second to last, is pain. What causes you most pain? Some of you, some of you feel pain when you see the gay community disrespected. Some of you feel very, so much, so much pain when you see homeless on the street. Some of you feel so much pain when you see people ripped off financially. Some of you feel pain when they don't have, let's say, health coverage. I don't know. Some of you feel pain when they're not following God. Some of you feel pain when you see marriages being broken down. Does that make sense? Your pain says a lot about your calling. Each of these ingredients say a lot about your calling. And lastly, we're a church that believes that God speaks through dreams and through visions. Is uh, number eight, what dreams and visions some of you have dreams of your calling. Some of you dream of, of, I don't know, doing X thing for X amount of people. Are you guys, but, but do you, are you guys tracking with me? Yeah. It's not like catching a ball. It takes a lot of ingredients to find your calling within God's big mission. On behalf of our church, we want to thank you for listening to this week's message. RLA is a biblical grassroots church located in South Los Angeles. We are a community who is here to restore the hurting, anxious, and those discouraged by religion. We hope to have you back next week.